Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. My name is Pete Scazzaro, and it's great to be with you today. Our topic uh, this week is growing in differentiation, growing in differentiation, actually part one. I got started in this and really uh, kicking and screaming in January of 1996 when Jerry, my wife, uh, came to me and informed me that she was quitting the church that I was pastoring. Uh, lead pastoring. And she wasn't angry. She wasn't uh, yelling. She was actually quite calm and without anxiety and resolute. And she simply said, uh, I'm not going to participate uh, in so many words. Um, she said, I'm not going to participate in your leadership anymore uh, because you don't have the, uh, basically the guts, the courage to do some of the things that need to be done. Uh, and uh, I don't want to participate in this uh, system anymore, and so I'm leaving, and I'm going to another church. I was furious. Uh, she wasn't leaving me uh, or marriage, but she was, she did leave the church, and we had four children, small girls at the time, and she said, listen, if you want to take the kids on Sunday, you're welcome to, or I'll take them. We can, we can talk about that, but she said, I quit no more, and uh, needless to say, God really had my attention. Uh, she in that moment she was differentiating from me and a system that we had been functioning in as a married couple for the previous uh seven and a half or eight years and uh she was forcing me to grow up uh now out of that god met us god met me uh we ended up going away for a uh probably about four to six weeks later to uh uh meet with two christian counselors for a week and i went there to straighten her out uh, that he would, they would straighten her out, and she went there to straighten the church out, and God went there to meet both of us and uh, ended up working on our marriage. But most importantly, uh, God, I know, met me uh, and I think introduced me to this concept of differentiation for the first time without me even knowing the term. Uh, and what's so interesting is Jerry, for years, had carried a lot of anger for all the things that were wrong in our church, especially the leadership, that I didn't want to confront or I didn't want to deal with conflict or say difficult things. In fact, I used to pride myself on the fact that I was never angry. Uh, it seemed much more holy to me. Uh, I used to just stuff it all. And uh, it was amazing because at one point she just stopped being angry. Uh, she'd let go of the whole thing. Uh, she stopped, we call over-functioning, doing for me what I could and should do for myself. And once she stopped being angry about all the things in the church, because she quit, uh, I started getting angry at all the things that were out of order in the church. Uh, so I came kicking and screaming into this whole concept of differentiation. Now, I like the term differentiation uh, uh, because it comes – it's a different kind of term. And I, I, you know, different terms or different paradigms uh, from outside uh, how we usually think just shed light often on uh, the richness and depth and breadth of biblical truth. And uh, the, the term differentiation comes out of family systems theory developed by Murray Bowen in the 1950s and 60s. And this guy was working with schizophrenics and he would work with them one-on-one -on -one, and they'd get better. And then he'd send them back to their houses and uh, with their families and they'd come back and the same, they'd go right back to where they were earlier. And any progress they would make would get uh, you know, eliminated. Uh, and so he began to realize that there was a, a system, a family system uh, that was a dynamic that impacted people. And uh, so thus launched family systems. Uh, and, and actually, Ed Friedman, who was a rabbi, wrote a very famous book called Generation to Generation, uh, really on family systems theory and some of the insights in it. 
uh, which became very famous, used in most, you know, many programs and seminaries and Bible schools around the world. Uh, and it's just a nice term. So stay with me as I, I, I connect this biblically, because uh, it really opens up a lot of biblical truth. And uh, the working definition of differentiation very simply is this. It means remaining connected to people, yet not allowing my reactions or behaviors to be determined by them. So it's remaining connected to people, yet I'm not allowing my reactions or behaviors to be determined by them. And, and so my primary task as a differentiated leader is like Jesus, who calmly differentiated his true self from the demands and the voices around him. So he, he did the Father's will. So, you know, some people have used the term of differentiation as emotional maturity, uh, which isn't a bad term. Uh, I like gankering it in the, in the love of the, of the Father that I, I'm going to live out my unique God-given life, the true self that he's made me to be, and I'm not going to live a pretend. I'm going to do his will uh, regardless of the systems around me that would oppose me. So think with me for a second, just of, for example, of two biblical, great biblical examples. The first is David, 1 Samuel 17. Uh, David comes to uh, the army of Israel that's confronting Goliath in that chapter. He's a young boy. He's the youngest of, I think, nine, I believe, eight or nine. And uh, uh, his three brothers are in the army. And he sees Goliath challenging the armies of Israel. And he's like, well, why doesn't someone you know, attack this guy? Why doesn't somebody do something? And, and uh, he says, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, I'll, I'll go and fight Goliath. And you know, he he gets the, the system. Now, understand, he's got to come from a, he's come from a family system. He's the youngest of, say, nine, eight or nine children. And uh, they start putting him down. You conceited, arrogant little punk. Uh, and then Saul, who's the king of Israel at that time, who's already mustered an army of 300,000 people and won a battle. He is the, he is the military leader, uh, you know, chief of staff or the joint chiefs of staff. I mean, he is uh, he has all his authority, all this experience, and he says to David, you can't do this. Like, you don't know what you're doing. You're only a boy. Uh, so that system's uh, telling him don't do it. And then Goliath says, I'll kill you. I'll, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You know, you'll be like the carcasses of, you know, on the ground. I'll, I'll chop you to pieces. And when, when Saul puts his armor on David, because everybody fights with a certain armor on them, that's how all armies fought, David is able to take it off. Uh, and uh, he says, I can't I can't move around in these. And he picks up five stones from the stream, and, and he's got a slingshot. That's what he's good at, and he attacks. But the great thing about the story is, is, is David is highly differentiated. He's able to go up against his family, who's putting him down, uh, the authority of actually Saul, not in a rebellious way by any means, but he realizes that uh, he's got his own, God's made him different, and, and, and Goliath. I would have run like for the hills. I mean, that kind of opposition. But David is highly differentiated, uh, and he knows God, and he knows himself, and he and he uh, charges Goliath, and uh, he's just you know he breaks through. And when he breaks through as a highly differentiated leader, then all the army of Israel rises up and and wins this great battle against the Philistines. See, as we become more highly differentiated, we free everybody around us. And the second great example of differentiation in Scripture, uh, and there are so many, is Jesus. Uh, Jesus. You know, comes to Earth. He, he's fully human and fully God, but but he's placed in a, in, a, in a family and with siblings, and his siblings and family just do not understand him. In fact, they think he's crazy at some point. They they think he's mad, and and so they're not with him. They're opposing him. Uh, and then he's got the crowds that want to make him a king. Uh, they've got a whole agenda for Jesus. He disappoints them. So he disappoints his family. He disappoints the crowds. 
And then the 12 disciples, uh, they're following Jesus, but they want to shape Jesus in, into their image. And uh, Jesus disappoints them. Uh, they want to make their thinking of an earthly king. So he differentiates from them. And then the religious authorities, of course, they want him to go to uh, school in Jerusalem, be a traditional rabbi. He can be the top rabbi. But that Jesus is, is not doing Judaism of the first century. He's breaking whole new ground, bringing in a whole new wine. It's a new day, the new covenant. Uh, and he does the Father's will. But he disappoints basically everybody. Uh, uh, but he's so anchored in the love of the Father for himself. He's so true to him, who God has uniquely made him to be in his destiny. He's able to say at the end of his life, I've completed the work that you've given me to do. And he frees all of us. So, again, Jesus is a is, is the example of a 100% differentiated person. And, and we are following Jesus. That, that's our goal. So he's solid. You know, so is David. He's a solid self. What's interesting about David, I can go back to him for just a moment, is David, even as a leader, he, he, he brings in a whole new music into Israel. Uh, he dances at the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, he breaks with a whole mosaic style of worship. If you look at the, the trajectory of Old Testament uh, worship and history, you know, there was a, there was a, you know, bells and smells and incense and the whole mosaic law of how they did worship the tabernacle. And, and David just brings in, you know, Levites and hundreds of musicians and clapping and dancing and a whole new era of the Psalms. And, uh, and, and he just, he breaks new ground, uh, in worship and, and, and even grabbing hold of grace, uh, and brokenness. I mean, he's just a differentiated guy. He's he's so he, we say he's got a solid self. You know, uh, it's not a reflected self. You know, a highly differentiated person, a solid self, says this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I stand for, and what I will or will not do in any given situation. And I do this while at the same time remaining connected to you. I'm not cutting off from you. And and so I like to have two circles. You know, and a solid self, uh, and then you got a pretend self. Now, a solid self is what we're all aiming for. We're, we're, we're leaders uh, who are, uh, uh, you know, think of a scale of differentiation of zero to 100. Uh, Bowen, Murray Bowen once said that that there are very, very, very few individuals on earth that are even 70% differentiated. Uh, I mean, think of Jesus as 100% differentiated, if it's a scale of zero to 100, uh, that most people are somewhere between 25 and 50. Now, if you're really lowly differentiated, you know, zero to 25, you're you're probably in a mental institution, unable to function in society. But I think where most of us are, are somewhere between 25 and 50, where most of our sense of self is a, is a false self, and it's reflected from other people. So I know who I am if you tell me how I'm doing. You know, When anxiety is low, we function very, relatively well, quick to imitate other people, uh, to change, uh, to get acceptance from them. We often advocate one set of principles. We preach one thing, we live another. Uh, if we get complimented, our self-esteem soars. If we get criticized, we are crushed. Uh, and very often, uh, you know, we make poor decisions when under stress or emotionally get dysregulated, can't think clearly. But, but uh, you know, we call it kind of a, a pretend self. It's less mature. It's guided by emotions, reactive and the environment, a lot of anxiety, poor, poor relationships, poor decisions, uh, a lot of acting. You know, putting on different selves. And, you know, I think of myself in, in high school as a dramatic example. I was with the cool kids. I'm with the jocks over here, the athletes. I'm with the smart kids over here. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be Don Juan with the women over here. But I'm, I'm all these different people depending on what crowd I'm with. I'm a chameleon. Uh, I'm much more concerned about pleasing my teachers, my parents. Uh, but it's more of a pretend self. And 
but but a solid self is just it's just guided by principles, values, able to stand on their own, your own, you know, solid clear goals, solid boundaries. And so uh, the goal, one clear goal of leadership is growing in our differentiation level, growing and being more true to who God's uniquely made us to be, anchored so deeply in the Father's love that we're able to disappoint people, uh, but yet love them and remain connected to them. We're, we're not crushed by criticism. We're, not, we're able to know when not to follow our emotions, which are, which are triggering us or sending us off the roof. And and we're we're actually like able to think clearly and, and be prudent. So, a critical task for every adult going into adulthood is differentiation, but that especially applies for those of us who are leaders. And this is an emotionally healthy leader uh, podcast. Here's an example of an enmeshed leader. Uh, think of Aaron and the story of Exodus chapter 32, when Moses goes up to the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights to be with God, get the Ten Commandments. But while he's there, he leaves Aaron in charge. He's got two to three million Israelites there. And they're very, the people are very anxious. The system is filled with anxiety. Where's Moses? Where's God? Are we going to die out here? You know, and, and so uh, they demand from Aaron, you know, we don't know what happened to Moses, but we need a God, you know, and so Aaron, out of his, he, he he lets the people's anxiety overtake him, and he throw, you know, he, he builds a golden calf for the people, and the people are in all kinds of revelry. And if you read the text very closely, it's sexual immorality, idolatry. It's a real mess. Uh, but Aaron gives into the demands of the people because he wants to be validated by the people, and he ends up harming the very people he's supposed to serve. Uh, but then Moses eventually does come down from the mountain, and Moses is a highly differentiated, a highly differentiated leader. He's deeply connected to the fa- to God, the Father, and he immediately destroys the golden calf. Uh, Aaron is a lowly differentiated leader. Oh, it wasn't my fault. It was actually the people. They, I just threw, you know, they wanted it, and I, I just threw this gold in the fire, and boom, out came this golden calf. Like it just like magic, you know. And but he's unable to even take full responsibility for what he's done. Uh, and in, when you're a lowly differentiated leader leaves a congregation or a ministry or even a business or a family without leadership. And, and so one of the challenges of, of growing in Christ is it's really about leaving our families like Abraham and our cultures and becoming interdirected uh, Christ followers, interdirected adults to God's destiny for us and God's purpose for us. It's really the task uh, for us. And when we have undifferentiated leaders, there are just severe consequences for everyone around us. And uh, that's really what it means to leave father, mother, and, and, and follow Christ and become an adult. So, okay, so how do, you know, let me just, in this podcast, here, let's just introduce us in part one here. You know, how do I get at this differentiation issue so I can begin to grow in it? And so um, I use three questions to, for myself and, and with others to kind of help get a handle on. I'll try to give some practical examples, and then we'll complete it in part two. But the first question is, what do I do with my anxiety? It's beginning to monitor anxiety in myself and in others. And, and so because I want to become a non-anxious presence. See, the issue is, what do you do when you're anxious, when you're flooded, uh, when you're just, you know, so tempted to get reactive? You know, can, can, I, can I slow down and be thoughtful? And, and intentional. Um, so I know for myself, when I get anxious in my early days, and uh, you know, I just especially, and I, I of course I get anxious, and, uh, but you know, I, I used to go to just go right back to certain patterns. So here's some examples. So for example, I for years in our church, uh, I would get anxious when there was conflict. 
especially with people and other other leaders. Uh, when there was a hard things that had something hard that had to be said, someone wasn't doing their job well, uh, they were not in reality. Uh, I would get very triggered, and I'd be like, oh, I get very anxious, and I would end up taking care of them, and actually then lying a lot because I didn't want I wanted to smooth things over, and I wanted to be liked by people, and so I for years I didn't have difficult conversations with people. I just kind of internalized it. Then I'd be angry at them because why don't they know they're not doing a good job? Why don't they just resign? Why don't they get it? I'm dropping hints, and they're not getting the hints, and I end up then angry at them and being very immature. But my anxiety then would permeate the room. Uh, I, I just I didn't like saying hard things to volunteers and and staff, and you may be the same way, you know. Or or I you know leading a meeting or an agenda for years, I, I would lead a meeting, but I was so aware of who was in the room and what they wanted. And so, for example, I, I remember uh, for years with one of our staff, she was really into prayer. Like we got a prayer meeting, you know, everything's got to be prayer, prayer. You know, how do you fight prayer, you know? And and so I, I remember. Uh, Having agendas, let's say the meeting was an hour and a half, you know, or, or an hour, but you just had to pray through things. And so I would like shift the whole meeting and I'd be actually angry about it because I, I didn't want to have a prayer meeting at that time. I wanted to have just a staff meeting, you know, and uh, I, I didn't want to have to do a per- perfunctory prayer, but out of my inability to differentiate from this one individual, I would actually uh, shift the whole meeting versus just being able to say, you know, uh, in this meeting, I, you know, my whole life is prayer, and, and, you know, we have times of prayer, but this is not it, you know, this particular staff meeting that we have. But I would be all in churning on the inside over something as simple as that. I mean, they say the average pastor leaves a church over seven people, just seven. The church can be thousands, but just there's seven. Uh, and they just said, he or she said, I just can't take it anymore. I'm getting out of here. Uh, so many folks, when anxious, um, when there's loss and change, in the middle of making a plan uh, and, and knowing there's anxiety in a system I mean, just moving to an additional service or moving a building, any kind of change in a, in a church or ministry is going to bring anxiety into a system. And again, depending on how your family of origin, people have family of origin issues of instability. And so any kind of change brings anxiety. So the question is, what do you do when there's anxiety in the system of a church or a ministry and you can feel it? And then what do you do with your anxiety as everyone's anxious around you? And how do you handle that? I mean, let me ask you, how do you deal with criticism? Uh, uh, Are you teachable? Uh, Some folks, because if they get any kind of criticism, uh, become so defensive and critical that uh, they just shut down. I mean, that's why so few of us can do a 360 where we get feedback from everybody around us uh, because it would just make us so anxious to hear negative things about ourselves. And so what do you do with that? Imagine just asking people around you, you know, how do you experience me? Uh, that's a pretty brave question. Uh, you know, even isolation. Some folks isolate some leaders. It's amazing to be great public presences, but in present in the public, but then uh, privately, they end up uh, being very aloof and distant, uh, very cl- difficult to get close to. But part of it's, it's anxiety. Uh, so, so I, I part of my growth in differentiation has been. Uh, you know, leading people, having honest conversations, clarifying expectations, dealing with budgets. I used to get so much, so anxious with dealing with contracts and budgets uh, and writing job descriptions. I would just say I'm not good at it, but really it was anxiety it would give me because I, I didn't feel proficient at it. Leading a meeting uh, in the direction I wanted to go, again, sometimes knowing it was not the direction a certain person wanted to go. Uh, I remember when we were buying our building. At the time, my mother would call me 
Uh, she was still alive at that point, and she she you know she knew the building, uh, and she said, "Don't buy that building. You're going to ruin the church. It'll be a disaster." And I would like look at the phone. I'm thinking to myself, "My gosh, like, like she was so anxious that I was going to wreck the church," uh, and uh, I just had to, just had to like, okay, and I felt her anxiety, and I just had a, a nice deep breath and said, "Thank you, mom, for your input. I really appreciate that," and uh, and buy the building. But I was very aware, in our case, we were buying a $6.5 million building, and at that time, half the board did not even own a house. And so talking about buying, you know, getting out of like a mortgage of a, you know, $2.8 million, I mean, it was just, people were just, this is scary and frightening. And so to be non-anxious was one of my biggest ch- challenges, to be differentiated and non-anxious, listen to people's concerns and fears and lead. So good leadership, it flows from our capacity to think clearly and reflect and to make choices based on our values. And, you know, I'm into emotional health, but there's a time not to follow our feelings. And when when you're in difficult moments, lots of anxiety, uh, there's times not to follow your feelings. I had to learn to actually write down what I was going to say uh, when I was going into difficult conversations. I was so bad at it. I would just cave in and like make the person feel good when I was supposed to go in and like say something hard because I wanted their validation. I wanted them to tell me I was great. So I would avoid difficult conversations. I'd preach sermons where people say to me, you're fantastic, Pete. This is great. You're a great visionary. But really, it was my low differentiation that I would avoid the difficult conversations and preach even more. Uh, and uh, it's just it's just amazing. And so, so uh, I know a pastor who just couldn't do anger uh, because he grew up in a family that didn't do anger and he didn't do anger. And with his marriage, he didn't do anger with people that reported to him. And it just, it was a differentiation issue to be able to let himself even get angry when people would do things that were inappropriate and confront someone. And uh, I know folks that can never fire anyone. They just can never fire anyone. Well, you can't, if you can't have that kind of conversation with someone who's not performing, uh, how are you going to lead? Um, and I think of many females that are in leadership uh, that did not have a voice, perhaps growing up, uh, to assert themselves. And one of the great challenges of differentiating, differentiating as a female, uh, very often in a primarily male environment where females have not asserted themselves and then it becomes, oh, you're over, you're being emotional and all the judgments that might come at uh, women. So it's a really growing in differentiation is, is really life and death of survival and to do it in a way that I stay connected without cutting off from a person. And and that's the great, you know, great challenge. So first question is, you know, what do I do with my anxiety? How do I, how can I become a non-anxious presence? That's always a goal. I want to be non-anxious like Jesus, you know, regardless of what the situation, he was just non-anxious. The second question is how easily triggered are you? Uh, some of us are triggered very, very easily. Uh, we take things very personal. And if we could role play here on this podcast, uh, I would say things intentionally to trigger, trigger you um, and to see your reaction, especially where I suspect things might trigger you. So, for example, you know, uh, uh, what do you do if someone doesn't answer your emails? You know, Red, you're not answering my emails. Like, what's the problem here? You know, and, and whoa, 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 I tried, I tried, you know, and, and you, you, when someone attacks you, uh, what do you do? Or, you know, hey, Pete, you know, that sermon you preached, uh, you know, that third point really needed work. Hey, who are you talking to? You know, one guy once came to me at the end of a sermon and says, Pete, you know what? Uh, I got nothing out of that sermon. Uh, I was just, that was just, I got nothing out of it. Now, what do you do when someone says that to you? Uh, defend, you know, uh, you know, oh my gosh. Or, or you know what? You're a racist. Uh, you're a white guy leading a multiracial church. And you know what? You're just protecting your white friends. That's what this is about. 
Um, and and uh, you know what? That's the problem here in this church. You know what, Pete? I believe in the vision of this church, but and I believe God's here. I just can't see God doing it through you. Uh, or you know what, Pastor Pete? You never have time to talk to me. You're always so busy talking to your friends, or or you know, you, you know, you being uh, an executive leader. Uh, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. I don't think you could lead yourself out of a paper bag. Or you know what? I'm leaving this church. My needs aren't being met. And, and all those comments were said to me at different points. And uh, the question is, what do I do? And it's so easy to become reactive very quickly. Uh, and the challenge of differentiation is to stay a little bit apart from the emotional situation and actually like like work on yourself. In other words, you, the most difficult person to lead in leadership is ourselves. That is our first task, to lead myself. And so imagine each of those situations where someone comes at me and said, you know, I don't believe in the vision of this church. Oh, you leading, you being an executive leader. Come on, you got to be kidding me. Never, you know, or, or your leader. That, that sermon stunk. That was the worst sermon I ever heard, Peter. I was falling asleep in a second row. Um, it, it, a, a highly differentiated response would be to say something like, oh, well, what was it about that sermon that didn't work for you? Because it could be any number of things, right? I could have mentioned the political leader. I, uh, I could have uh, used an illustration that, uh, just touch something that really hurt them. I mean, it could be any number of things that triggered them. Uh, I said, well, tell me more about it. What was it that this, that third point wasn't very good? Or or uh, tell me more. You think I'm a racist. Well, tell me more. Like, what are some things that I've done that, you know, that caused you to think that? And But I just listen and I ask questions and I, and I probe without becoming reactive and defensive. And uh, But to be able to Take a nice deep breath, you know, be a non-anxious presence and ask questions is a very different response from quickly answering it and covering it up. I got it. I got it. I don't want to go. I don't want to go down the road. But we make so many assumptions. And again, so much of that is just a low differentiation. But the third question I ask myself often is how do I self-regulate when I'm flooded? You know, how do I, I'm flooded. I'm I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to just scream. What do I do to self-regulate? And uh, I have, you know, three things I'm doing. I I self-confront confront myself like, okay, Pete, what's going on inside of me or you right now? I self-reflect, what am I feeling? What's happening here? And then I, it's self-awareness, uh, self-confront, self-reflect, and self-awareness. And so this issue of self-regulation is very, very key for the sake of love. Remember, there's good pain and there's bad pain. Good pain gets you to your destiny. Bad pain just keeps you from it. And uh, David is just, again, he's a, just a great example. So, of course, in Jesus. So, let me let me just invite you to, to this is a crucible. This is a a, a challenging um, area to grow in differentiation, and a real core essential of the emotionally healthy discipleship and emotionally leadership has to do with uh, go back to go forward. Know yourself that you may know God. It is in this area of differentiation and genogram because you've got to go back to go forward. Uh, and we're going to talk about that next week, this issue of why genograms going back three to four generations is so important, that self-awareness piece to enable us to be differentiated in the present and go forward in a way that's not enmeshed in an unhealthy way with other people. It is a crucible. I mean, a crucible is a place you put, you know, metal so the gold comes out. You know, it's, it's a fire. It's pain. Differentiation is painful. Emotional maturity is a life work uh, and it comes out out of pain. So I want to encourage you to uh, again, to look into our Emotionally Healthy Discipleship courses, uh, I would encourage you to get the Discipleship Courses Leaders Kit. Get that from our website. You want to begin to do those courses because in it, 
uh, you will begin to get introduced to some practical themes to help you grow in differentiation. It's one of the core principles of the course is know yourself that you may know God. It is becoming like a David, a man after God's own heart. It's becoming like Jesus, able to do the Father's will uh, and able to disappoint people as the Father leads you to so you can fulfill your unique destiny for your life. But unless you grow in differentiation, you end up living, you'll end up living other people's lives, not your own. And uh, and as you grow, everyone grows around you. You free everyone around you. Listen, when you leave home of your family of origin, you are at the level of your parents' emotional health or differentiation. And unless you've done work since you've left home, inner work, you are you are still at your parents' level. Uh, just think, three days with your family of origin will tell you your level of differentiation. If you don't revert back to how you were when you were 12, that your role in the family, uh, you've grown. But most of us, three days with our family, we just revert right back to our original scripts. We often marry people at the same level of differentiation. And actually, our churches have levels of differentiation. problem of some high-control churches, they got to control people because it's a lowly differentiated freedom in a church. And uh, so, again, these are profound concepts, a lot to talk about. So let me let me invite you to go to EmotionallyHealthy.org, uh, pick up that Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course kit, uh, get on our, our mailing list, get yourself trained, begin to move into this uh, growth of differentiation. It's a very slow, long process, but Rich, we'll pick it up next week. God bless you. Uh, again, send me any kind of questions you've got on Twitter or Facebook. You can find me at Pete Scazzaro or send me questions at info at emotionallyhealthy.org. Love to hear from you. So God bless you. You have a great day. Look forward to talking to you next week.